I'm Sky Manson, this is Company. Company is a podcast produced in rural Australia, bringing together ambitious women from the bush, the cities and all over the world. So this episode of Company is a really special one for a couple of reasons. Number one, because I have a live audience. We are recording live at The Collective in Grenfell. I'm very, very, very chuffed to be here. It's a co-working space owned by Belinda Marwini and Aunt Dixon. And we have all gathered here tonight to come together on the eve of International Women's Day to share a drink and eat some delicious food. And this space is just so cosy and relaxing. So well done, guys. And my guest today is rural business legend and powerhouse Jane Kay, who is the founder and the CEO of Bird's Nest in Cooma. As it is International Women's Day tomorrow, when it comes to women who are doing wonderful, great things in rural Australia, I couldn't think of anybody better. So, <laughs> without further ado, let me tell you about Jane. She grew up in Cooma. She went away to boarding school in Michigong. Her first big girl job was at IBM in Sydney, and then she fell in love with Ollie, who was a farmer, not from Cooma, I learnt tonight, but sort of just down the road. And in a way, this was almost the beginning of the rest of Jane's life. She took her on a path that she never really envisaged. She moved her life to Cooma, bought retail clothing shop High Country Outfitters in 2004, and then renamed it to what we now know as Bird's Nest just two years later. In 2008, so four years after she bought it, she took the business online. Everybody said she was crazy. The business grew and grew and grew. Ollie and Jane had three children. Life was hectic. I think some people in the room will understand that. Um, and it was these pressure points that kick-started a new way of doing things for Jane, for herself and for her team. We're going to talk more about that tonight. But in 2017, Bird's Nest became the, um, came fourth in the BRW Great Places to Work Awards. Like, that is so amazing. That is so amazing. Imagine the people that you were up against. I just... That is just a huge feat. Um, and then the next year, Jane was awarded number one in the top 50 people in e-commerce and internet retailing. So, let's find out how she did it. Welcome, Jane. Thanks, guys. So good to be here. <laughs> Even though we're still using technology, it's so nice not to be on a screen and to see real people. So, thank you for coming out and thank you for having me. Jane, it's, it is so, so nice to finally be doing this with you. I've been trying to interview Jane for a little while. So, um, and now I'm lucky that I get to do it in person. Usually it's via Zoom. So, I think it's just important to kind of, like, considering everything that's going on at the moment, just to ask, how are you going? How, how are you, considering everything? Oh, I think, I mean, I'm, I just feel like a very lucky person at the moment. Um, I think we're all just probably feeling grateful for the lives that we have and given what is going on in the world. Actually, my children had to say, Mum, you do realise you're just talking to complete strangers about the state of the world. <laughs> like, apparently I was like, anyone I saw on the weekend, I was just like, oh, you know, like... <laughs> It's a little bit embarrassing, Mum. Like, I was like, well, is there anything else to think about at the moment? So. Nothing like the kids just to bring you back yep, down they to brought me down. You're yep. very good at that. Yeah, I, I just think it's a fairly... It adds context. It does add context to everything that we're going to speak about tonight, um, everything that's sort of going on in the world and how we look after each other and... Yeah. But I, I think also for anyone here tonight that doesn't know of Bird's Nest... Um, I don't think there are many people that don't know of Bird's Nest. I can see some males, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you describe Bird's Nest to someone that doesn't know? Oh, um, I love to describe us as, like, kind of like the matchmaker, like the Cupid between a woman and her, like, perfect outfit. Um, and often if I say, oh, I work at Bird's Nest, or, like, oh, you work at Bird's Nest, they're like, 
oh yeah, 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 you're the one, you're the one that does like, you show it to me on my body shape, like you show the women in the different, like that are different sizes that are wearing the clothes or they might say, oh no, you're the one that does the outfits and you show me how to put it all together. Um, and so I think what, what we're ultimately trying to do, I guess, is create a kind of an inclusive space for women and really kind of be her wardrobe wingbird in what is actually in the super vulnerable, can be a super vulnerable space for women. I just cannot wait to learn more and more and more about it. I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's going to be wonderful. But I think we need to talk about yes. International no. Women's Day. We do, we do. Um, As a first point, because that is why we're all here. Um, the theme this year is hashtag break the bias and it's all about gender equality. International Women's Day is often about gender equality but I think if we look at it in the, in the context of, um, of regional women, how do you view that and how is that something that you bring into your workspace? Well, I mean, we're obviously surrounded by women in our well, workspace. About 90% of our team are women or identifies women. And um, we, I mean, most of our customers are women. We, our major partner in, in Sydney who does a lot of our manufacturing is women. Like, we actually talk about needing affirmative action for men, really. Yeah, <laughs> you totally do. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, I guess, and I actually, I checked in with the team this morning because every Monday we do a huddle. And I get on Facebook, now I get on Facebook Live and huddle with the whole team so anyone can tune in either then at 9.30 or they tune in later and see what's happening for the week. And I said, I'm off to Grenfell and tomorrow's International, Women Day and International Women's Day and what does that mean to us? And I think, you know, I talked about how far women have come and how, you know, to be born now as a woman, you know, they are so much, they are more likely than their mothers to have access to education, to um, live longer, to not die in childbirth. Um, you know, we, we, are, we have actually come a long way, but there is just still such a long way to go. Um, and I'm really excited that tonight, um, a part of tonight is making a contribution to the Girls' Fund of the School for Life, which I, I know we're probably going to touch on later. Yes, yes, absolutely. It all plays into that. I, I do want to ask you a little bit more about it. So do you think, like... Having run Bird's Nest for almost 20 years now, which is, is, again, such a big feat, how have you... What are some of the small things that you've noticed about how equality just in everyday life for your wingbirds is, yeah. is getting better or more understood and more manageable? Oh, look, I think, you know, our workplaces are becoming so much more flexible in general, which benefits everyone, doesn't matter what gender that you are. I think it was so interesting when I was first, when Ollie and I first had children and we really pretty much split it 50-50. We just took it on. And honestly, every woman that met him just wanted to give him a medal. Like I was like, so we, we're good. doing this 50-50. We've had, we've had kids together. I'm doing half of it. He's doing half of it. You know, he doesn't need a medal for that. Like, um, but I am really pleased that he's my partner. Um, but what I'm seeing now in our younger generation is that becoming much more normalised, that, you know, that a partner would, if the child was sick, it's not necessarily always the woman that's running from work to pick up the child or uh, they're rearranging their weeks so that, you know, um, the dad is working two to three days a week and then with the children the other... And, and both ways. And it's really great to see that complete... You know, being much more normalised. Yeah. Do you try to nurture that within your workplace, um, like try and encourage your females to do that or is it just something that's kind of evolved and maybe they've followed your lead? Uh, look, I think, you know, we certainly um, encourage flexibility. Like mm. pretty much there's no rules around, like everyone has their own, uh, you know, way that they organise their week and that's very much around themselves. But I think it is about the part, you know, yeah. It is. It is about a partnership, in particularly the parenting side. I think that's. Um, yeah, it's either established as part of your partnership or not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're. All, we're always working on it. I think. Like. Oh you, yes. yes. Well, no, that's a never-ending. Yes. <laughs> never-ending ball game. <laughs> and I want to talk about COVID as well because I think the last two years has been um, so huge for women having to come you know, working women having to come back into the home 
and if you're a mother, having to juggle so many things. And I think that the next 12 months is going to be really interesting for women and very telling because global research is predicting that one in four women might downshift, just reading from my notes here, or leave the workplace. And that is just mostly as a result of burnout. Um, do you see that? And what about with yourself as well? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I see it, you know, for someone um, like my sister, she her children were much younger when we went into COVID. So when, you te- when you've got someone in kindergarten who's learning to read for the first time and you're homeschooling, it's very different to having teenagers who can be much more independent. So I think for a lot of women, um, I interviewed a woman, um, and so my sister stepped back from the workforce at that time, and I interviewed a woman, a single mum with four kids last week, and of course when COVID, and they were from sort of first grade through to year seven or something, she just had to step back. So mm. I think, you know, it's a real shame to see that, well, it just was what had to be done. She was a single mum. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think, and then for, for me personally, it, it actually it actually broke a whole heap of stereotypes and broke a whole heap of habits that were probably not that healthy that meant I was actually home a lot more. So it was it actually was a great thing for our family. Um, and I think, yeah, everyone has taken so many learnings out of the last two years, yeah. um, but there's also a lot of positive ones as well. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, very interesting to hear. And you talk about, you know, that woman who just had to step back. And I think that's what, that's what is concerning. The... Um, International Women's Day, their website has a lot of resources and one of the resources on it is the Women in the Workplace 2020 report and it is saying that in corporate America, now I know that's America, but um, that they are so worried about the risk that they have right now of losing women in leadership and undoing years and years and years of Mm. work that have been put towards raising equality. Yes, but I'm interested to know... When we look at regional Australia, what are your reflections on that, particularly women in in leadership roles? Well, we have a team of 16 leaders and 15 of them are female. Mm. Um, And so that hasn't been... That's not been reflected in our experience, but we have a lot of flexibility around that. Like, I'm interested in... You you talk to women all the time in terms of ambitious women in regional Australia. What are you seeing in in a broader... Broad, more broadly across the community. Yeah, I think um, your your women wouldn't be suffering because it's such an awesome place to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think COVID has been... Well, there's a few things. I think COVID has been an absolute boon for women in regional areas because it has just opened up the doors. You, you, there is, the precedence has been broken and big corporate companies um, that are usually based in our cities, not to say that big businesses are not developing in regional areas, but they um, have to employ you now from wherever you want to work. And so this dearth of um, mm. opportunity for women who have moved to the country for um, love or lifestyle, whatever, um, they can still have the same opportunities now. And I think that's so wonderful. I've seen so many of my friends, um, and I don't, I don't think this is uncommon, who have had to leave their jobs in the city and mm. just settle for less, and now you, and, and now you don't. Um, I also think there's been, just from the women that I speak with, you know, all this research and um, qu- then quantification of... Um, domestic roles and unpaid work within the within the home is being accepted understood and spoken about and I and I think Mm. that's um that's wonderful for women and men everywhere because the conversations can happen and you know I'm getting a better understanding of what you might be dealing with and maybe that that's not it's not just me and there are other people who are experiencing that too so I do think COVID's been difficult. We're, um, people are very burnt out. Um, but I do see there have been such huge opportunities for women. Yep. For women everywhere. Definitely. I mean, well, I moved to Cooma. When I moved to Cooma, I, I gave up a professional role with IBM because I thought mm. I, couldn't, I couldn't be 
in in a regional space and hold on to that job whereas that would be a completely different conversation now so yeah. that's great that's yeah. positive and I imagine that was such a huge thing for you at the time was it like, oh yeah it was end. huge huge I was like oh there goes my career yeah yeah <laughs> there we go done with that how wrong she was <laughs> how wrong she was <laughs> so I and I think now given what's going on floods war COVID do they is this being expressed through your wingbirds are they are they telling you things that they oh I think you know I mean we're very much a community of people that care about what's happening in the world and I think you know when things it's the amount of emails that are flying around now or texts of oh my gosh this model model who's a single mum you know up here what can we do for her she's just lost her home or you know, we have a we have a woman in our team who's Ukrainian. So oh. she married a local boy. Her parent, her parents and siblings are on the Russian border. Oh. So you know, there are people in our team that are hurting. You know, and and that's what happens in communities all the time. You know, whether it's something more localized, like someone's been given a cancer diagnosis, or mm. a, um, and that's that's why community is so great because I am set like. You look out for each other, and you mm. you you know you put this as much support network as you can put around someone that's in pain, and mm. you do the things that you can do to help. Mm. And you know we, that's often informal, and then we also have formalised ways of doing that. Like we meet every, we actually meet every two weeks with a group we call the Impact Team, which just literally meet on what's happening in the world and how do we need to respond to it. So oh. it's my favourite meeting. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to wind back a little bit, I feel like, for me, agriculture is in my blood and for other people here, like Kate, who did my hair today, maybe, I'm not sure if hairdressing's in your blood, but it's something that definitely, <laughs> you know, other, lots of people have different things in their blood. What, what's, what did you grow up with in your blood, do you think? Oh. <laughs> um, I grew up in a family that talked business at the breakfast table so I very quickly learned what went on at the breakfast table straight up in the, the morning yeah yeah no it didn't stop <laughs> um yeah I, I don't know that I would have ever described that as an entrepreneur but looking back I would say oh wow you know everything from hardware to abattoirs to he was an accountant um right. mum was a farmer and a teacher and but yes there was a lot of discussion of that I think that I always thought I that's what you did you grew up and you ran your own business so I think it was just what I thought would happen. What what did you you thought you would own your own business? Is that what as a yeah, child you I were just like, thought you yeah, that's what you did. What kind of business was it going to be? Oh, well look at at that stage it was like, you know, I was very good at making chocky chip cho- I called them chocky whoppers. <laughs> so I was always begging mum to take me down to the, you know, the park and set up a stall. Yeah. So at that stage, oh, look, I wasn't fussy actually at that point. Just any business where I was in charge of my own destiny. Snails, <laughs> plants, whatever. Probably not plants, let's just be honest. See, um, the business mindset <laughs> knows. She knows. <laughs> uh, so when you did start Bird's Nest and you moved your life from Sydney and you took over High Country Outfitters, and then I think probably the biggest step was, well, probably not for you, but what I'm interested in is when you took it online and everyone thought you were nuts. It yeah. was in 2008. Why did they think you, you, why was it not popular? And why did you want to do it? Oh, well, look, I mean, um, while I wasn't fussy about the business, um, it was, it, you know, I think to sustain yourself in a business over time, you have to kind of fall in love with it. And I did. So I, you know, I did get in to this country town retailing and having lived in a city and then landing in Cooma, like working on the shop floor and for those that work in within a community, there's nothing like being on the shop floor and having those people come in and you get to know everyone on the main street and you become part of it. And um, I, I, I just, I did fall in love with retail and I, but I particularly fell in love with the magic that was happening in this little store and I you know I was just watching from the master I mean Pagi who was our store manager at the time is still like our head of buying and she was she just could create the most beautiful space women anyway I'm I'm rabbiting on I'm sure no go on I love it um it's good to get an insight into what it's like inside yeah so I think you know and I was just watching these women come in you know and have this 
incredible experience. And I have it as well when I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, Peggy, what am I going to wear? She'll just go, okay, da -da -da -da, and get me in there and put a million things in Heaven. on. So yeah, we were having this kind of, you know, and this this business was growing and we were, you know, we, Cooma's we, um, a town of 6,000 500 and we've got a great catchment because we've got kind of near Jindy and you know this and a lot of three million cars go through Kuma every year so with a lot of through traffic as well but we've probably grown it to about its capacity and potential in a town of of that size and so the next logical step was obviously oh well in 2006 you would just you'd go to Goulburn and you'd open a store in Goulburn and then you'd, you'd go to Wagga I remember just doing the streets of Wagga trying to you know find a spot and but, of course, with my background, because as I said, I was with IBM and I was like, oh, there's this thing. I, I just really think that there's this opportunity online if we could just, you know, give it a go. Tell us a little bit about that, about IBM and what that, the nows it gave you to know that online could be a thing. Well, I think even before that, it was probably university. I left, it, I left school in 1990. Five, if anyone can remember back that far. Um, and we, in 96, I hit uni and we were all getting our first email addresses. Like everyone, I had like Jane Boyce at Hotmail. Um, and that was all really exciting. And um, and I couldn't, I got to my first shoot and they told me to put a, you know, a, a disc, disc, floppy disk in or something. Oh. I was like, what's a floppy disk? <laughs> anyway, like I just didn't even know how, I didn't know how to even use a computer. But then I, anyway... Was where, uni was where I discovered the internet. Um, I just and I just got. I was really passionate about business. I was studying commerce, um, and then I got really passionate about tech because I was like, "Holy smokes, this thing's going to change the world!" I, I actually was forced to in a way because I got a scholarship that said, "If you don't study tech, you can't have the money." <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, "Fine." <laughs> that seems like for nerds and boys, but I'll do it. And um, yeah, so there was this this that opened my w world to it. And then of course joining IBM, I joined their e-business team when like e was super cool. Like they had huge billboards all over Sydney with big e-business oh. in front of it, and you know everyone was like, "What's well? This is, you know, what B two B and B two C and." Yeah, and did some really interesting jobs, like worked for, went into dairy farmers and all sorts of people going, how is this internet thing going to change our industries? Like, how is it going to change the way we interact with suppliers? What's going to happen to the middleman? Like, it was just a really exciting time to see how business was transforming. So, yeah, so I guess I'd seen other industries change and I thought, ooh, I think this retail thing is really going to, it's going to, get, it's going to shake it up. Oh, I just love that. It's like you must have had so much confidence to be able to turn that around in a regional town too. What did you work like your Not staff? Really. Said, I mean, I, they... our, I was like, I was saying to our accountant, could I, could I just, I just want to put another little spreadsheet over here with just, just to track the online sales. It was like, I don't think you're going to need that, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, it's been nice to, you know. Fast so actually, I did end up needing that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that other P and L. And in terms of staff, I like what I've. The best things about Bird's Nest is that you're all local. Um, Huge percentage. What percentage yeah. is it? Um, well, there's a, I wrote 160 Christmas cards. Um, Did you? Yes. Wow. And that's my, I actually write myself off, for th well, not write myself, but three days I take out and write my Christmas cards every year. With individual messages to... Absolutely. To, yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, there's probably three that don't live in the local area. Yeah. And how do you do that? How do you even do that in a uh, regional? Well, it's amazing who you can find in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, and, oh, look, I mean, there's just so many stories of, you know, people. Are, we generally find the person and then we mould the role do you? around them. So, yeah, we occasionally we're like, oh, gosh, we really need a, you know, for example, we needed a... Um, a UX designer, so that's like user experience. It's quite a specialist kind of skill mm -hmm. set. Um, and she applied from, she would think she was in Dublin at the time, <laughs> and she was looking for a job in regional Australia. We were the only job. Oh <laughs> this was gosh. probably about seven years ago. Anyway, so yeah, so she moved from like, she was Australian and she her parents were in Goulburn actually, or her mum was in Goulburn. So anyway, she moved to us, she brought her family, her she was the breadwinner, like she was the sort mm. of, her, her husband was at the time looking after the children and she was working. Um, and okay. so, yeah, she moved him to, and he was great. He came along and became part of the community. So, yeah, so that's the story of someone moving to us. But then there's so many stories of, you know, Michelle, who's our head of dispatch, she runs a team of 40 
And before that, she ran a kindergarten room in a childcare centre. So, like, oh, you know, yeah, she was in a childcare centre, but she just has all the right skills. Amazing. She's a nurturer and she's the perfect person to lead that team. So we, we really just kind of worked also with the with the people that are in our community and the incredible skills they have. This podcast is all about celebrating better connections for women in the bush. In fact, as members of the Country Women's Association of New South Wales, women all over have been bettering the services, facilities and communities of this state since 1922. That's right. 2022 marks 100 years of the CWA of New South Wales. For a century, CWA women have been initiators, fighters and lobbyists. A hundred years ago, they grouped together to start facilities like baby healthcare centres in their local towns. As the association grew, it took their voice to Parliament, both state and federal, to lobby for better maternity services, more doctors for the bush and better schools. All the while bringing the ideas of its members to life, turning little localities into vibrant communities, reducing isolation and lifting the lives of those who lived there. You can help celebrate 100 years of the CWA of New South Wales by having a look at what they're doing on social media, buying some special 100-year merchandise from their website or even better, becoming a member cwaofnewsouthwales.org.au has all the information you need. And the other cool fact is that something like 10%, only, is it less than 10% of your staff have a tertiary education and you're still winning all these amazing awards. Yes. Do you high high care factor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I say that we've got the team that makes the impossible possible. Yeah. Um, but really the team has to be behind an idea. I've worked that out. You know, it's I'm not like a lone ranger off saying, "Let's go do this." <laughs> um, it's a, you know, it's very collective in terms of how we come up with what we do. Like, you know, an example would be we've done a few pop-ups, you know, pop-up shops we've done a pop-up shop in Threadbow and we did one in Canberra which was great, but it nearly killed us. And then this opportunity came up to do one in Rimbilla and I was pretty, I was keen. I was down and I was down like interviewing people down the coast ready to turn it around. And the team just looked at me and went, we can't do it. Like, we're, not, we're not doing it. We're not doing <laughs> and it And I was again. like, okay, yeah, okay, fair call. Take me inside. I, I, this, I, I do kind of divert a bit, but take yes. me inside the like, cogs and the workhouse of Bird's Nest and how ideas do come to life because you're just running so many cool things. They've got the <laughs> nest lounge, you are mm. you've got you've got nest stays, mm-hmm. rehatched. I mean, we could talk about all of these things, but I, I I just am so inspired by businesses that have ideas and make them happen and they hit the spot too. And you seem to be doing that. Yeah, well, thank you. I don't know. I think um, actually it's interesting in the workshop tomorrow we are asking kind of, um, so Belinda and I are doing a workshop tomorrow and we are asking the businesses that come to ask themselves six really critical questions around, you know, why do they exist and what's important about how they behave. And, and these are things we've really asked ourselves. And, you know, it's so easy to have so many focuses. There's like a laundry list of things you could do for your business. And I think... It's something in the last... We've tried every system from, like, objectives and key results, which the Google used to design thinking to, you know... And what I've worked out is we just have to get really clear on one focus area at a time. <laughs> and so our new thing at the moment is, like, what is most important? We're always tracking our, like, across the board, the things that we need to be looking at from employee engagement to our actual financials to customer satisfaction. These are things we can't lose track of at any time. But what is the one thing we're focusing on now as a business? And then we all work towards it because we're all going to get so much further than us all working on a million things, which is what we have done in the past where we've tried to just juggle way too many things at once. What are you working on now? Uh, so, yeah, so our Nest Impact is our 
is our theme for 2022, which has a number of facets within it. Um, and the first one is the um, launch of our rehatched. Um, so my, my big thing is that women are just going to completely women are already rethinking about how they think about their wardrobes and about consumption and I mean I couldn't buy my child something new she'd be horrified um so the rise of pre-love clothing is huge and um we've already started working with women to say look we'll be part of your long-term wardrobe so yeah because as women we still want we still love newness yeah. <laughs> and we still yeah. use our clothes to express ourselves. And we like to purchase. Um, and we and do. So, like and that. like gifts in the mail. <laughs> yeah. And we love parcels in the mail. Yeah. We, um, so, yeah, so we are being part of a longer term. It's, it, it's, I guess it's our investment in being a more circular, having a more circular business model. So, yeah, we're, we're about to launch our pre-loved clothing online as well. So you did sort of, um, you did launch it, didn't you, at the beginning of COVID and we come back around to it? the bringing of it in, like starting to collect it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've run a couple of markets, um, which have been huge. Have they? Huge. <laughs> yes. At Coombe, at, in, yeah. in the shop? locally. Yeah. 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 And is it just locals buying? No, well, no, women, no, Canberra's a huge market for us as well. And just all, yeah, Grenfell were the first people, there was a team, there was a group of women from Grenfell which were the first people that came into our lounge, which we launched just before Christmas, which is, yeah, a beautiful space to have groups of women near our store. So that I was like, wow, so that's pretty cool. Grenfell Go represent, Grenfell. that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so with, the, um, with Rehatched, how does it work? Do you send your clothes back and then they're just put back on the rack or oh no not quite like that well it, it, it is um so you get a credit for returning your clothes that you can spend and then we we re, yeah we we rehome it depending on what you know if it's in excellent excellent condition it'll go li- online otherwise it'll go into the market so people can see you know that they need to replace that button yeah. or yeah i'm not a sewer so that can't happen yeah to me. so you just re- <laughs> you are reselling the clothes whereas i've heard about other initiatives that they actually repurpose the material and oh yeah, recycle yeah. in some fabulous and yes no technical no. way that i don't really know about <laughs> <laughs> there are some amazing technologies coming out which is really yeah because yeah, the little humans you know we have a big problem like climate change and we are also really good problem solvers so while it can be daunting and overwhelming and sometimes I also think, oh, wow, you know, there are so many solutions out there and we can, we just want to, I guess, hopefully be part of the solution. Yeah. Do you feel like you're leading one of the first ones to do that or an early adopter or oh, late? No, there's, no, it's yeah. Hu- no, yeah. no. There's a company called ThreadUp in the US which are enormous. They have warehouses that are like on... Um, on you know you can imagine what was that movie where they she she just her wardrobe just went past clueless you know when oh, she pressed the, yes, <laughs> they have the wardrobe when you just press the button and the, yeah no huge warehouses of that of yeah of pre-love clothing and oh, yeah wow. someone like Patagonia who we obviously you know they everyone looks up to Patagonia a lot of you know we all looking up to Patagonia they've got they've had warden wear for quite a while yes so yeah yeah one of the main reasons that we got you here tonight was to delve a little bit more into your personal leadership and your personal development journey. And I am going to ask you lots of questions about that, but I do think it's important to kind of go back a bit. Yep. When the business was growing and you went online and it grew and grew and grew and grew, were um, just just tell me a little bit about what sort of happened <laughs> and how you coped with that. I want to know the moment when you Googled how do I calm down? Oh. Um, <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, that was um, that was because I was told I needed to calm down. By? by Pretty much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so my team, were kind of, my team were kind enough to let me know that I had this thing called a panic button. They gave it a name. <laughs> um, and that I was hitting it quite a lot. Right. So, but I'd asked them for that feedback. Okay. So, yeah. This was you had done a survey. Is well, I we had done uh, we had it was probably about we had about eighty t- people in the team at this time I think, yeah. um, and it had been that like at the beginning we were doubling in size like we had three years in a row of doubling the biz- the size of the business in a row and I just was I wasn't equipped for that we d- I didn't go out with some big vision to be to have 80 people to look after like it was just literally oh we thought we'd do this online thing and then when it got as big as the store. Like we thought, once it got as big as the store, 
Um, like, so we were turning over a million dollars in the store. Once it was turning over a million dollars, that would be like amazing, be like a whole other store and then we would go and open other stores. But of course it just surpassed it. It's now 95% of our revenue and the store is 5% of our revenue. So it was, I was not equipped. I did not have the skills (laughs) and I, I just looked around about that time and went, I was really snappy. I was probably burning out. Yeah. We call burning out. I don't know that it was a term there. Um, And so, yeah, at that time I got a coach and that coach said, look, because I was saying, I think this is the moment that you hand over to someone who Mm. knows what they're doing, Mm. you know, like a proper grown up. Um, and they said, look, well, before you do that, maybe just check in with your team and get some feedback. And so that's how that came about. And so they, they facilitated this process um, where the team let me know right. what I should stop doing, <laughs> um, start doing and continue doing. How is that? Oh. Doing that survey. Like, <laughs> uh, it makes me, I, yeah, I wrote in the notes, did you go and hide in the car park? <laughs> <laughs> um, sort of, no. Um, or were you really seeking it? No, I was. Yeah. I was because I was trying to make a decision and trying to work out. It was totally scary, absolutely terrifying. It's making me feel um, But it also, um, it was also, I felt pretty safe with the person that was, doing it and the team felt safe I think most importantly like they met individually with each person and it was anonymized then so it wasn't that got collated and then they could tell me Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was facilitated in a way that it just it felt really safe in the end and we all cried and you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) um sense of relief Um, no yeah and um and of course and it it just opened and I think leaning into that then opened up the conversation for them to also think about how I wonder how they're going with their team and you know just and then I feel like when we have a more more informalized ways of doing that and we've you know people like Brené Brown have come along and told us that's all about vulnerability so you know (laughs) since then (laughs) I feel like there's a there's a lot more to support us who's a Brené Brown fan oh we love Brené Brown there's a newsletter that's coming out after this and we'll put some links (laughs) to Brené Brown She's the best. Um, so this kickstarted mm-hmm. another chapter for you. Yeah. Um, when did you – you went away on a health retreat. So was that after this survey or – It was actually – it was a mindful leadership retreat. Yes. So because once I Googled – how to come down because you know they, they basically told me they didn't want to lose me just yet <laughs> that I actually could be all right if I was in a good like if I was in a good state like us all like you know now that I've learned about our brains and that we can be in the sim you know which which nervous system are we in um so basically at that time when I googled it all this stuff on meditation came up and I was like oh god no no, 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 no. I'm not, like, it was not, it, that was not, it was not mainstream then. And I was like, I'm like, that's for hippies and that's not for me. And then I found this teacher that looked kind of normal. Um, and so <laughs> she was running a retreat and it was called Leadership, Mindful Leadership Retreat. I was like, well, that's what I need. I need to be more mindful in my leadership. I'm go- and I'd, a retreat sounds great. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I'll like do that. Go. And it's in Bali. <laughs> um, ah. So off I went to Bali. Does it still exist? She does run retreats still. Mm. I'll be Not in it up. Bali at the moment, obviously. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I, I guess I was just super drawn to that. And then, um, yeah, so I think mum was really worried, though, because she had heard about someone who went to a hippie thing like that and then they left their husband. Um, and so she was pretty worried about it. <laughs> Ollie was like, go for it. That sounds was awesome. <laughs> totally. Get out of my hair. <laughs> he, lo- he does. He's like, I'm away for eight days at the moment. He's just like, see you, honey. <laughs> uh, well, that was going to be my next question. How did, you, how did you manage it? At You know, you still got three children. and Yeah, Arthur was pretty little. Yeah. Yeah, at that time, why it must have been super important for you to do. Oh, look, my kids have been used to me being away. I, I actually am less away a lot less now than when they were little. Um, so, yeah, Ollie was out. Honestly, he was out in the paddock. Like, Penny was four weeks old when he had her out in the paddock and he'd have the breast milk. And I later learnt that he never actually defrosted. Like, he just 
He just defrosted it till it got less icy <laughs> and then gave it to him. Oh oh right. There was no warming up, no sterilisation. <laughs> Toughest no. kids in the world. <laughs> um, so they've been used to me, like from, the, from leaving breast milk in the freezer yeah. to they're kind of used to me going away. And Ollie is, bless his mother and father, um, extremely domesticated. He, probably, he looks at my domestication and thinks that there's definitely a lot of work to be done. He's like, Jane just like to introduce you to the dishwasher <laughs> dishwasher this is jane when you finish your cereal bowl you know like so he he's do, he does all his own washing okay you know he's quite he's, the role reversal he's quite there and often i'm like oh i don't think i want to do it and he's like it's your job you need to get out there oh, <laughs> oh that's awesome so he definitely pushes me yeah and i can't i'm going to ask you more questions about that later but i do so back to the retreat right what did you learn um, and what did you went there? The North Bali is really lovely. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, uh, it was honestly, it was such a, it was so eye opening. The first bit was like, our kids now are so lucky they go to school and they learn about their brains, like just the basics of the fact that we have this brain and that, you know, when, so there was a lot of science behind what she was doing. So we learned about the fact we've got this thing called a, frontal cortex and you know when we're stressed we can't access it and in here is where all the rational thinking and where the compassion is and I was like oh so it's actually impossible to be busy and stressed and a nice person at the same time like I thought I could do all of those things at once and that I was really underneath it all and then I wondered why I wasn't very nice um so I was it was so eye-opening for me like I just felt like I was in kindergarten learning things I should have learnt then. Um, so that part was incredible. And then, of course, you know, we were in the most beautiful environment and getting up early and meditating to the sun rising, and which, of course, was very confronting at the beginning because meditation is hard. And, um, and But yoga I love, so there's plenty of yoga. And then just lots of teaching and, yeah. But I just remember this sense of peace and realising that I could like it was in here and that I could access it any time and that I'd obviously let my nervous system unwind enough that I actually felt completely at peace. I was like, wow, this is, yes. So I was like an evangelist coming back and I knew that I wasn't going to convert mum or Ollie. So yes. <laughs> I had to start on someone else. <laughs> Your whole team. So by the end of the retreat, were you just buzzing with inspiration on what you could implement at Bird's Nest? Uh, or were you just in it? I think I was just in it. I was actually scared about coming out of it. Uh, yeah. Um, and how that would feel. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I think like anything like that that you go to that you're like, oh, this sounds so good and I'm going to go back and I'm going to be amazing. Mm. And then, mm. <laughs> like, what's it going to be like when I really land and <laughs> everything just goes to poo again? No, back in the real world. Yeah, back in the real world. So, but, but you did implement it and you came yeah. and made huge changes. So tell me, I'm just interested to know the transition of how yeah. long that took and what you tackled first. Mm, so Charlotte, it was great. So we worked together to work out, okay, well, what would a workplace, because there wasn't many case studies at that time. Um, like Google was definitely starting to think about it and they were putting together their... Um, I think I'm trying to remember what it's called, but it's, they've got a program. Um, and so we sort of were making it up a little bit. In fact, we were a case study for a university in Australia around implementing mindfulness at work. So we created ambassadors um, and they did a, they, they went away and did a course. Um, and we had workshops with everyone. As everyone had, was able to access this, all this great education around. So we, had, we created this whole new language, like, the crocodile brain and you know um and then you know we could laugh at ourselves when we we're stressed and we didn't handle ourselves well and also give ourselves just a little bit of slack. cut ourselves a little bit of slack yeah. for actually the fact that we are human yeah um and you know there is a little bit of us that is a little bit of a slave to our biology did you come back and we're like i've just i've been on this amazing retreat and mindfulness is and meditation is the go and were your were they receptive to that like how did you convince them that it it wasn't like that it wasn't like that at that time and we we actually called it mind training because we thought that that was a little bit more kind of a bit more digestible um because you know when you train for a 
you know, for a marathon, you train your body and you, and whereas, you know, we use our minds all day to do everything that we do. So mind training sounded, you know, just more, just more acceptable in yep. the workplace. Yep. Um, and, and, be, and it's hard not to fall in love with Charlotta when she, when she makes you laugh. I mean, you laugh, like you laugh through this education because it's so real and human um, and it helps you in your relationships. It's not just about work. I think the fact that we were investing in something that was not just going to help people in a workplace, um, it was actually going to help them in their lives. Yeah. So that was the first step too. Yes. And how did... How did you practice mindfulness at work? What happens? Do you have a room? Yes, we do. Yes. And we, um, when COVID's not causing havoc, we ring a bell um, every day at the same time, usually 9.30. It's usually Eddie, who's our software engineer, who leads the the charge. Um, And yeah, all those that want to go into, and just honestly, it's so funny how funny relaxed everyone with this. They just walk straight in. You know, people just flop on the floor or they have their little spot or I've had supplies and things come in where I'm like, you want to go to meditation? And they're like, okay. (laughs) And then they walk in and everyone just like flops on the floor. They're like, okay, this is what we're doing. And then, you know, um, a rainforest or, you know, we're at all of a sudden we're at the beach, like at the ocean or, and this, you know, we play. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a guided meditation. So good. Hmm. And is that the main pillar of it at work? Are there other activities that you guys practice like that? That's probably the, that's the practice. But I think um, obviously we had a lot of things in play that said this is how we behave together anyway. But I think what mindfulness gave us was and just the discussion around being present and being aware of ourselves in the moment and catching ourselves closer to the moment <laughs> of losing it um, or whatever <laughs> um, was around are we actually, uh, like, these are all the things, these are all the values, these are all the things we said are important, the way we want to treat each other, are we actually doing it? Um, And I think, yeah, you really saw impacts at an individual level, at a team level, uh, yeah, an organisational level, like, that's right, when we, we we became the, you know, fourth best place to work in Australia and then I think what ongoing, what it's meant is that I think as an organisation there's just... A slightly higher level of consciousness around our place in the world kind yeah. of thing yeah and you all are speaking like you said the same language so you're like so I noticed that this happened today and when I was in meditation and it's not speaking to someone who doesn't know about that yeah you know, I think it, there's less talk about meditation and more there's just more empathy there's mm. just a lot more empathy yeah. around oh I think that you know there's we go straight there's more generosity around why someone might be behaving in a certain way, for example. Yes. You know, so just that I think something's going on for them. Yep. More, is trying to jump to that conclusion before, how could they do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think there's just much more generosity and empathy around being imperfect little humans all trying to operate together. Yeah. In a high-functioning, highly successful workplace, you're all, yeah. Yeah, we, yes, well, it's <laughs> not f- how I describe <laughs> it, but yes. <laughs> oh, no, it definitely <laughs> is. There's a funny story that comes with um, getting your BRW award. Oh, right, Could yeah, you tell yeah. it? Oh, okay, so we we went in these, we went, honestly, uh, we went in this BRW Best Places to Work thing because I was like, well, that's, we all have to come in here every day, so um, we want it to be the best place to work. We better, if we do this, we're going to find out from the whole team what are the main things that we need to concentrate on. And as a leadership team, we were all pretty scared about asking every single team member, like, how we go on equality, how do we go on, you know, is it fair to promotions go to the right people? Do, you know, there's a whole lot of questions that they're asked. You know, am I paid fairly? Like, um, uh, do we have good community spirit? Like every, like, do I, did I feel welcome when I joined? So huge amount of questions that they go through and they tell you how you're going. So we did it to get the feedback because we were working on it. Like we were working hard on it and we wanted to focus on the right thing. So when they came back and said, you've made the top 50, we were like, what? <laughs> we couldn't believe it. And then, so then they said, well, and you're invited to a party. We went, great. Well, we're all, like 20 of us pretty much got, in, got nearly a bus and went, we got like any chance to have a party. So we got there, 
first thing is the best band ever, Furnace and the Fundamentals. If you ever get a chance to go and see them, we <laughs> danced all night. They mash up the best songs. Anyway, they were doing the countdown. And so I, we, at 50, I was like, this will be us. <laughs> yeah. um, and then 49, da, 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 and so it went on until they got to 10. And I just was like, this is so embarrassing. Like we have been asked, like they've made a mistake and <laughs> accidentally asked us to this event and we're not supposed to be here. And this is the first year we were actually eight that year. But when they announced it, I mean, this, we just, it was, yeah. Oh, you can't I like, literally that. said, we have to go. We need to leave because this is getting really embarrassing that we're not supposed we're to be here. We're going to be arrested. <laughs> we're going to be arrested. We're going to work alcohol. out we've snuck in. <laughs> uh, so anyway, needless to say, we danced there was no sh ever shoes off. It was, yeah, it's very fun. That's, that is the best. And have you, so you've actually done that process twice and you came eighth and then you came fourth. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Will you do it again? Does it exist yes, anymore? Yes, yes, yes. It's changed forms and we always look at where it's at. Um, but yeah, we, you, we, yeah, our plan is to kick it and do it every second year. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to change tack mm -hmm. slightly. Okay. Uh, the other day, one of within my own podcast, um, my favourite question is just around people's daily routines, and I asked Jane if she could record herself at the beginning of the day and lead me through what that day looked like for her. So, hi Sky, it's Jane here. It's Tuesday morning, it's 6.20 and um, yeah, I'm on my morning walk. It's always a good start to the day if I actually make it on my walk and I'm standing currently in my absolutely favourite spot and it's just at the top of our driveway, which is about a K long, I'm at the mailbox and here I have this little ritual that my children do laugh at me if they're with me. So today I'm on my own and I, I stand in one spot and I do this pivot like 360 and, and to the north I look out and I see the most majestic Boko wind farm which just is currently still this morning um, but often sort of slowly turning. I turn to the east and I'm witnessing the sun just come up and create the most beautiful shadows over this valley and I turn to the what's that side that'll be the north <laughs> no south and across these rolling hills I can see all the way to Victoria which is just spectacular and then as I head on my heels back home quite often this the view in the distance to the west of the snow capped mountains in the distance absolutely just takes my breath away every time so, I mean, I think this little, <laughs> I do little weird things like this, but this, this little pivot, I feel like it's, it's a bit like a drug. I'm, I'm, and if I'm not distracted and I'll just stand still for a minute, like it really does kind of take me into this kind of blissful state of kind of awe, I would say, awe or wonder. And I think it helps me put whatever is in front of me for the day, which can be daunting, into like a fresh perspective. Um, like any problems I have, I think they just feel smaller after I've done my little pivot. Anyway, back to reality. I am heading back to the house and my son, Arthur and I need to be out the door at 7.15 to catch the school bus. Um, the moment I've just read Atomic Habits by um, James Clear, it's a great book and I am experimenting with habit stacking um, and so I think that's where you find a habit that you already do and then you stack things on top of it that you'd like so the moment I'm stacking trying to do a little bit of a sprint at the end of my walk because I don't like to get my heart rate up too high um, and I try to take a bit of rubbish out of my car every day as I pass it which just seems to never endingly grow Anyway, um, then I will try to attempt some yoga. But look, that is not going to happen, to be honest, this morning. Um, that's not going to happen. I, if I can pick up the rubbish, that will be good. Um, so what will happen when I get home? I'll, Arthur will be getting ready. Ollie's in charge in the mornings. Bless him. Um, except if he's shearing, he's pretty much is the one kind of got the stick behind Arthur to get him out the door. I generally sneak a carrot or extra cucumber into Arthur's lunch, which he's been packing himself since he was in kindergarten. He is now 10. And there's less drama now he's 10, I think, getting out the door. 
But anyway, we need to get to that bus stop. Sometimes we'll drive together. It's about 50 minutes. And I love that too, because we always have an audible story on the go. Love stories. And we're currently listening to The Scarlet Pimpernel, which is challenging even for me. So he's doing well. Um, so yeah, so today I'll get to the nest about eight. I've been away because I've been in ISO, like everyone's managing that. And with a daughter, anyway, I'll spend the first hour probably just wandering around and saying hi to everyone, checking in. Um, I've got to pop into the studio at nine because I'll spend time with the beautiful Steph or Sandy because I have to do a presentation this afternoon and they need to jazz me up. Um, so I need to look presentable. Um, and then probably all day I'll get lovely comments because normally doing my hair, brushing my hair and putting makeup on is not part of my morning routine. So everyone's like, oh, Jane, you've made an effort. Um, so yeah, the days that I'm in the office, they're pretty full of meetings. I'm always, um, I always try to have at least one meeting free day a week, usually at home. Today I'm catching up with the people and culture team. I've got a user experience meeting um, because we're launching we're about to launch an online marketplace for pre-loved clothing so that's coming up really soon and that's we're meeting with the external company as well as the designers so that's kind of cool I usually catch up every week on a Tuesday with my trusty wingman Andrew who's our operations manager and then I'm catching up with Lise who runs our store because we've just launched this new nest lounge and there's you know lots of just settling that in and seeing how it's going and we're having a workshop with the store on Thursday so we need to prep for that so that's kind of that and then and then at lunch I head off to Snowy Hydro to do a presentation which I'm actually to be honest quite nervous about because it's about tourism in the snowy mountains and we're being pinned up as you know part of that story and we're about to launch into this whole new area of nest days we've been renovating a a, um, some beautiful heritage terraces in town. Anyway, I'm nervous about that and becoming part of a whole new community. I'm not sure how long that'll go this afternoon, but I probably should do some networking because I think tourism is supposed to be all about collaboration and partnerships. So I need to meet some people and work out what we're doing. Um, Arthur will catch the bus home, I think. Yes, he will. Because there's no cricket, no swimming, no tennis this afternoon. So... Ollie will pick him up or actually Cheryl maybe today because she, Cheryl's like our, we call her our household administrator or really our home nurturer. Um, and yeah, so I'm super lucky to have Cheryl in my life. She will wave her magic wand over our house today and cooks dinner for us at least probably twice a week. Um, and the other days Ollie and I cook. I'm in much better habits thanks to COVID. I will be home on time for dinner, um, which we usually have about seven. And then after dinner, our girls who are at boarding school usually ring us and that's Arthur's cue for bedtime. And we can talk to the girls for up to an hour. We're just still amazed that they're using their phone time on us, but we're lapping it up while we're still cool. And then I'll either fall into bed, which I could be exhausted after today, um, or I might squeeze something else on the laptop. Probably my emails, because I don't think I'll get to them all day. Um, I do try to be in bed by 10, and I have a strict do not go past 11 deadline on myself. And I'm just lucky my body needs no winding down. I hit that pillow and I'm gone. So Sky, as you randomly asked, that's my day today. And I'm nearly home, so I better get on with it. I can't wait to see you next week. Bye for now. Tell me about Cheryl. Can't believe I haven't <laughs> even asked about her. Um, so well, I've always said there's three people in our marriage. Um, and for 16 years, that was Ree. Um, so Marie honestly came into our life. And um, once I'd convinced Ollie to have a third child, I had to go to Ree and said, Ree, are we ready? Because <laughs> she'd said for years, if you have another baby. <laughs> and she said, we're ready. And then Arthur was conceived very quickly after that. Um, so, um, yeah, so Ree was with us for 16 years and, she, you know, she lived, in, she lived on a farm on the, in between Cooma and our place. Um, she's about my mum's age, so she just retired a few years ago at 68 and I don't think – sometimes I questioned who loved our children the most. Uh, <laughs> um, so What a gift. Yeah, what, what a gift. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have a few friends who do lots of things and they have 
they have help and they always, you know, people always say, oh, how do you do that? And they say, oh, well, I've got help. And I think um, it's yeah, such well, a benefit. Yeah, well, Ree was definitely it's like an extra member of the family. And I think in other cultures, it's different intergenerationally, you know, in other cultures, um, you know, the uh, older generation it might live in the house for longer mm. and there's more of the looking after both ways. And I, I, I think of Ree as just was really a member of the family and Cheryl is very much the same. I said when she started, look, you do whatever you want to the, in this household. Like, I, I don't mind if you outsource all the cleaning or do whatever. What we need is an extra mother <laughs> or an extra parent <laughs> in this house. So if you love gardening, garden. If you love doing craft with the kids, do that. If you love cooking, and she loves cooking, so we've never been happier. Um, <laughs> do you like cooking? I actually love cooking as well. I just don't, yeah, I don't get enough time for you it. You don't have time for it. Yeah. Um, my next question was, what's your favourite way to exercise? I think I know that, but... Not to eat, not with much exertion. <laughs> so, so yoga, but not if really. It just if it's just gentle. <laughs> <laughs> yoga and walking. What's your vice? Uh, oh, <laughs> I do have chocolate in my cereal quite a lot. <laughs> no, I can't tell you. So granola and Greek yogurt and berries and dark chocolate. Ooh. And I'm now kind of addicted and like I try to save it just for weekends that I do it. But then when if I'm having like, oh, this is a big day, I think I need to start it with chocolate <laughs> and tea. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with dark chocolate though. It's not good. that dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's darkish. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> how do you, do you have an approach to managing your emails? Oh, I've employed Superhuman. Um, oh, tell me about. So, uh, look, you know, it's probably a fad, but it is, it is a, it's a pretty cool tool. I love tech tools. Like, you want to talk tech tools anytime. I love a good new Trello, Canva, you know. Um, but <laughs> Superhuman's my latest. And it, it basically, it's like a competition to get to inbox zero and you get to have lots of different inboxes. So every day, you, like you put all your, it splits your inbox into like calendar and family and, you know, so then you can go, okay, I'm just going to go deal with all my family emails and then I'm going to deal with all my calendar emails and then, and, and then it gets to zero and gives you a really pretty picture. How good. That is so good. And you just feel so pleased with yourself. I know that's so sad. Does anybody else know about <laughs> Superhuman? No. Have you got any other any other what's it, what other techies? Oh, are you honestly, on you can moment? really solve any problem with Trello. I do love Trello. Like we've got Trello runs like our warehouse. It runs our design, like everything from conception of a of a dress through to manufacturing is run through a Trello board through to. And then the warehouse use it for like the boxes have arrived and here's where... So you can basically, it's like a Kanban board, like a Japanese kind of, but you can put whatever headings and move the boxes along kind of thing. It's, it's cool tool. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by having to keep up with all of those tools? No, that's, that's Do fun. Do you? No, no, that's fun. It's fun? Yeah. 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 I'm not that good on social, so let's just be clear about that. I'm not okay. very good on social media. Can't be everything. <laughs> no. <laughs> but your other girls do that for you, right? Yeah, I like things that make you product like that make life easier. Yeah. And social usually distracts me from doing I have I have all these things set up on my phone, so if I do go in there it chucks me out. I'm like a teenager. It says, Nope, ten minutes is up, out. Yeah, so I, I do I use the tools to say yeah and I get it to chuck me out after ten minutes. And how do you discover these tools? That was my that was my teenage daughter set it up for me. Yeah, but do, <laughs> she doesn't do they, need do one because like she doesn't go on through. social. But she <laughs> she was like, "Mum, you know what you need. This is what you need." And she just put. And so then I, the first time she did it, she gave me one on, and I do Facebook lives with the team. And then halfway through it, it was like, "Sorry, you've been on Facebook too long," and chucked me <laughs> off in the middle of the. Anyway. Too much talking, Jane. Yes. As um, you can see, I do talk. Do you much, have a wind down routine in the evening, or do you just go straight to sleep? No, just it's called hitting the pillow, and then it's. Yeah, I'm on, literally usually on the screen till the last minute. And I'm like, okay, that's my bedtime. I have to go. <laughs> that just goes against all the Sorry. stuff that we learned. Not but I find that happens with me too. Scroll, yeah. scroll and then fall asleep. No, don't um, do as I do. Tidy or messy? So messy. <laughs> so messy. Yeah. Well, yes. And comfortable with it, obviously. Well, Ollie's not comfortable with it, but um, I'm, I'm fine with it. Tea or coffee? Tea. Wine or gin? 
or water. Mm. <laughs> I'm a bit boring these days. I got a soda stream. Oh, nice. Yeah, so yep. my water's sparkly now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And I do drink on holidays and at parties and maybe as soon as we finish this interview. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're almost there. Um, read or listen? Totally, definitely listen. Podcasts I've got about four or books going reading books? Both. Mm-hmm. Both. Mm-hmm. I have to, yeah, I'm a bit of a self-help addict, so mm. it's exhausting sometimes when you realise how much work you've got to do, so then I listen to a story. Yeah, I know. And realise that yeah. everyone else has a lot of work to do too. Do you have any <laughs> little podcast favourites? Oh, Ollie's got me on How I Built This at the moment. Yep. I'm into that. I do love Sounds True. I did Recently I did a, um, an inner MBA, so I know everyone does MBAs, and I did an inner MBA, which was with New York University sounds true and wisdom 2.0 which was all about kind of the inner work wow yeah it was awesome we had like the ceo of patagonia speak live to us and it was an incredible course That's but a sounds whole true yeah podcast in itself isn't yeah, that it? was yep i had to cram to finish that one it was a nine month just last year investment yeah oh, congratulations thanks yoga or walk both Mm-mm. no one or the other oh yoga (laughs) no that's a hard choice yeah inside or outside isn't it do you do yoga outside yeah yeah not all the time because i live in kuma (laughs) (laughs) um okay i'm gonna wrap it up i have so many i do have more questions but the last thing that i wanted to know is will it always be bird's nest for you uh it's been a long-term love affair Mm. um i I'm, I would, I think there's, I'm still full of possibility around it. I think, you know, we've created a community and therefore that can go in many directions from there. So I think there's still lots of, yeah, lots of life left, hopefully in me and it. Yeah, it sounds like it. Thank you so much for being so generous. And I know put, we've put a lot of preparation into this, so <laughs> it's been wonderful to chat with you thank you thank you sky that was awesome